individual, talking about some issues about which, obviously, you disagree, and you're trying to point out that his practice does not conform to what the Scriptures teach. Now, as you do that, you're not trying to be mean or ugly. You're not trying to be proud or arrogant. You're just pointing out, here's what they do where you worship. These are the things they teach, and these are the specific practices they engage in. But here's what the Bible says. Now, do you see, you see a difference between your practice, your teaching, and what... Oh, the guy stops you. You're just, you're just relating facts to him. You're not, again... There's no intention here to be mean-spirited or anything like that. But as you're trying to make those points, the fellow stops you and his, re- his remark to you is, you're intolerant. You, he says, are intolerant. And when he says that, of course, it's, it's game over. Once he throws out this you're intolerant accusation, it's not going anywhere else beyond that. And then, of course, he may also try to sprinkle in a little bit of Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 judge not that you be not judged and and once you add that into the mix all further discussion comes to a crashing halt there will be no more talk here we want to consider that this evening and we really think that those who make this charge of religious intolerance should think about some of the facts of the matter Uh, And that's what we hope to discuss for just a few minutes in our study tonight. We stop here uh, to say thank you, appreciate all who are present tonight, uh, the encouragement that you give us, and of course what we pray is the glory that we all give to God as we join together in worship. Thank you for being here to be a part of it, and for those who are visiting tonight, thanks for coming our way. As we study together, we always want you to consider what we're saying based upon the Word of God. Make sure it's true based upon what the Word of God says. And if there's any question about that, always we're open to questions or uh, further discussion. If, if there's something that you need to talk about more or get greater clarification or anything like that, please just say a word and we'll try to accommodate you in those ways. But again, thanks to everybody for being here tonight. What about this idea of being intolerant? I just got a few simple observations to make. And the very first of them is that no one really is tolerant of everything. And the fact of the matter is we should not, and I think everybody would agree, we're not tolerant of everything. We shouldn't be tolerant of everything. For instance, you could use an example like we're intolerant of murderers. We're intolerant of serial killers. We want them thrown into jail. We simply cannot tolerate the fact that people out there murdering folks right and left, we don't want that. And we want those kind of people to be caught and we want them to be thrown in jail. We're not tolerant of that sort of thing. Nobody is tolerant of serial killers. And, and they shouldn't be, obviously. And there's other things, for instance, maybe those who purposefully harm the environment. That's not a good thing. We're not tolerant of that. Those who demonstrate racial uh, discrimination. Ah, we're not tolerant of that. We don't like that. We don't want that. So, again... Uh, just charging that that people are intolerant is not enough on its own. Uh, that doesn't prove that a thing is bad. We ought to be intolerant of some things. Intolerance, though, that very word, has come to automatically carry a negative connotation. You're intolerant. 
And, and once that is thrown out there, it suggests that you are bad, you are in error. And we just want everybody to recognize the fact that intolerance itself is not necessarily bad and everybody is intolerant of something. I would further point out that even in matters of religion, everybody draws the line somewhere. Now, we have this very broad idea in the religious world that we ought to tolerate everything, but if you press people who are making that point, they will say that they draw the line somewhere. I don't know, where are you going to draw the line? So, are you going to be tolerant of Satan worshipers, for instance? And crazily enough, there are people who claim to worship Satan. So, should we be tolerant? Oh, no, we're not tolerating that. Oh, so you do draw the line somewhere. Well, let's back it up a little bit. Someone says... Uh, yeah, we're, we should tolerate all religions. Do you feel that way about the Jehovah's Witnesses? Oh, no, I don't go for the Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, what about the Mormons? No, no, I don't really go for the Mormons, they say. What about the Catholics? No, I can't really abide the Catholics either. You see, what you find out is you start backing people up and they don't tolerate everybody. All those who preach tolerance don't necessarily pr- tolerate everybody. And we're just pointing out no one is totally tolerant. And he really shouldn't be. Uh, there are things that cannot be tolerated, even in religion. Now, on that basis, let's also observe that Jesus was often intolerant. Jesus is correctly held up as the perfect example of love and compassion and, and tolerance. People hold him up that way. Um, but some folks would misuse certain events and even some of the statements that Jesus made to promote this idea that we ought to basically be tolerant of everything. And it's a misuse when they do that because Jesus was not tolerant of everything. One of the passages that's often cited by, what will we call them, the tolerance crowd? The tolerance crowd often wants to cite John chapter 8. You know this episode. This is where a woman was brought to Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. John 8, beginning verse 3. You know that story, right? Uh, and, And so the people who want us to imagine that Jesus was tolerant and we should be tolerant of basically everything, say, look, in this case, here was a woman brought to Jesus who was taken in the act of adultery and Jesus did not condemn her uh, and so we shouldn't either. You see that? They say, you see that? Here's proof that Jesus was such a tolerant individual. But just stop now for a minute. Uh, as, as, as he said, not, not so fast. Back up just a little bit. Examine that context a little more thoroughly before you claim that it's a perfect example of Jesus' tolerance. I don't have room on this chart for the whole text, so I'll just pick out a few of the phrases and then we'll fill in the We'll fill in the gaps. You remember that the reason why they brought this woman to Jesus is they were tempting him that they might have to accuse him. So this was an obvious trap that they were doing. Uh, It's been pointed out so many times, and you know this too. If it was, in fact, the case that this woman, as they said, was caught in the very act of adultery, where was the man? If she was taken in the very act of adultery, why didn't they bring the man too? That would seem appropriate, would it not? And of course, if in fact they they had caught her in the act and there were witnesses who could testify against her, then they wouldn't need to ask Jesus what to do with her because the law of Moses was clear in that matter already, right? 
uh, this was a capital offense under the law of Moses and she should be stoned. But that wasn't their purpose. Their purpose was not to enforce strict adherence to the law of Moses. Their purpose was clearly trying to trap Jesus. So Jesus, as he so often and effectively did, just basically turned this right back on them. He that is without sin among you, let him cast, let him first cast a stone at her. So, Jesus doesn't deny the law of Moses. He doesn't say, well, we're going to forego the, the, the penalty for adultery. We're not going to enforce the penalty of adultery. Uh, forget that. Just tolerate the woman. Let her go. Everything's fine. He didn't say that. All he said was, well, if there's any of you who feels that you're without sin, you cast the first stone at her. And, of course, when he did that, it says, they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one. They realized that they'd been caught in their evil deed here and that Jesus had actually turned the episode back on them. Their, their insincerity and their corruptness was fully on display and they all just filtered away. When Jesus looked up, he said, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now think about what Jesus said to her. Neither do I condemn thee. Why wouldn't Jesus condemn her? Well, Jesus wasn't a witness to what she had done, right? In order for there to be condemnation under the law of Moses for, for such sins and crimes as adultery, before you could enforce the death penalty for sure, you had to have at least two witnesses who would testify to what had taken place. Jesus wasn't a witness to what had taken place. And all those who claimed that they were had gone off from the scene. They weren't there to testify. Jesus said, does no man condemn thee? She said, no man. And he said, neither do I. Jesus wasn't in a position to condemn her and enforce the penalty of the law of Moses. He wasn't a witness to what had happened. And so when he said, I don't condemn thee, he had to say that because he had, he had no basis in, for condemning her under the law of Moses. He wasn't a witness to what she had done. But notice he said, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Think about that. That clearly indicates that Jesus was aware of the fact that she was a sinner. He wasn't tolerating her sin. Go and sin no more. He was aware that she was a sinner. He wanted her sinning to quit. I would argue that that's not exactly the kind of tolerance that folks who use this passage would like to prove from it. They want a kind of tolerance that says, do whatever you want, nobody can say anything about it. That's not what this passage is about, right? When you, when you take the passage apart and really consider what happened there, Jesus didn't tolerate her sin, didn't condone her sin, didn't tell her it was okay to sin. He said, go and sin no more. That's not exactly tolerance, is it? But we have lots of other examples from the life of Jesus. And I do think Jesus was the perfect example. Of course, in all things, he was the perfect example. He is the perfect example of love and compassion and tolerance, the right kind of tolerance. In John chapter 2, you remember uh, this episode. The Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Uh, tolerance? Where are the folks who are saying Jesus was such a tolerant individual? 
Does, does this sort of speak to us of tolerating people who are doing wrong things? There's no tolerance there, is there? In fact, Jesus was so passionate about this that it caused his disciples who witnessed it to recall a prophecy that had been made about the coming Messiah. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Jesus was very passionate about getting these people out of the temple. Certainly not an episode of tolerance as as these people that we're talking about tonight tried to promote it. Still in John, you remember John chapter 4, Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And as Jesus got into that discussion with the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, beginning verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thine husband. In that sayest thou truly. Oh, come on, Jesus. That's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, Jesus basically called her out on her very immoral life that she was living. She's been married five times. Now she's living with a man that she's not married to. Come on, Jesus. You shouldn't be pointing that out. Where's your tolerance, man? You know, we're just going to have to let people do as they will. You can't, you can't be calling people out like that. Jesus tolerant of sin and, and sinning? Certainly not. Matthew 22. Jesus answered the Sadducees on this occasion. You remember this was the episode where the Sadducees had come to him asking about the man who had a wife and he died and his brother took his wife and he died and another brother. Seven brothers were all married to the same woman. Remember that episode? And they're trying to trap Jesus because the Sadducees didn't believe what Jesus believed about life after death. But Jesus said to them, I just want you to focus on this, that he said to them, Jesus answered and said to them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures or the power of God. How would you paraphrase that? If you were, if you were asked to paraphrase that, Jesus said, You don't even know what you're talking about. Isn't that what he said? He just said, you, you, You're just ignorant of the Scriptures. You don't even know what you're talking about. Again, where's the tolerance? That's, that's, that's sort of blunt and straightforward, wouldn't you agree? And Jesus was, and he wouldn't tolerate those who were misusing the scriptures. Okay, Jesus was then often intolerant. Let's go to Matthew 7 one more time. We've done this dozens of times. Let's go to Matthew 7 one more time because this, this is the verse then that they, they, in addition to accusing us of being intolerant when we point out religious error, when we point out sin, when we t- point out false doctrine, they say you're intolerant and in addition to that, Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. And they, they, they almost act though, as though this is sort of the capper. You know, this, this ends it all. This will, this will abolish religious discussion of differences forevermore. Judge not that you be not judged. Of course, that's how this starts out. Judge not that you be not judged. But, and again, you know this well because we've talked about it so many times. Jesus goes on to say, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? The version that Gordon read for earlier probably made this much more understandable to us, because we don't use the, the the word mote. But Gordon's version he read from earlier said it was a speck. You have a speck in your eye. Why beholdest thou, the, the, excuse me, 
the speck in your brother's eye. Why beholdest thou the speck that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not, and I think Gordon's version said, the plank that is in thine own eye. You, so your brother has a speck in his eye. You have a plank in your eye. Why are you trying to correct the speck in his eye when you've got a plank in your own eye? He goes on, How wilt I say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thine eye. Isn't it interesting that in this very context that is so popularly misused, Jesus said, Take care of your own issues, get the beam or the plank out of your own eye, then... Then shalt thou see clearly to cast the mote or the speck out of thy brother's eye. He didn't say ignore the speck in your brother's eye. He said get the beam out of your eye first. Get the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll be able to see clearly and you can help your brother with the issue that he's got. You take care of your issue first. Even the very passage that is so commonly misused, it's not a blanket condemnation of all judging. In fact, it even implies judging, but judging that's done the right way, okay? Not hypocritical judging, but honest, truthful judging. So, again, to those who want to make this argument about intolerance, understand that Jesus himself was often intolerant. And beyond that, we could add that we are actually commanded to be intolerant. From that same Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7 that we were just looking at, that's in the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So Matthew 7 is in the Sermon on the Mount. That Matthew 7, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged, that's in the Sermon on the Mount. But just a few verses later, as you well recall, beginning at verse 15 of Matthew 7, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Some simple observations here starts out with beware of false prophets. Well, if I'm not supposed to judge anybody, and if I'm just supposed to tolerate everybody, how would then I beware of anything? The very instruction, beware, suggests i got to make some such judgments. And ye shall know them by their fruits. Uh, that suggests making a judgment and a determination. By their fruits ye shall know them, Jesus said. All of that implies that I'm just not tolerant of anything and everything, but I'm actually paying attention. And I'm trying to make determinations about what's right and what's wrong. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. I'm commanded to try the spirits, not tolerate everything, but try the spirits. In Matthew chapter 18, you remember Jesus talked about trying to restore an erring brother. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, Jesus said. Oh, wait a minute. My brother trespasses against me, but I'm just supposed to tolerate everything. I'm not supposed to say anything about that. I'm just going to tolerate that. I can't say anything. I just have to be tolerant. 
If your brother trespass against thee, no, don't be tolerant. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Here, this is instructing us to judge, isn't it? This is instructing us to not be tolerant when people are sinning, but to make every effort to try and restore them. All of this that Jesus taught here in this famous passage is in the direction of restoring those who are fallen. And so again, the idea that we should tolerate and never judge, that's just wrong. By the way, this is just sort of a side note, but I would just throw this out. In in addition to those who are teaching this tolerance concept, some of our own brethren who teach unilateral and unconditional forgiveness need to answer some of these same arguments, right? Because this passage says you go through a process to restore this brother. It doesn't say you just forgive him. You forgive him unconditionally no matter what. You just forgive. We've got some folks even in the church who teach that position. It's not a biblical position. This unilateral, unconditional forgiveness is not taught in the Scriptures. We're not to be tolerant. We have to make judgments. And, of course, the very plain, simple statement along those lines is John 7, verse 24. Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Judge. You judge. You're commanded to judge righteous judgment. All right. So, some really simple observations here. No one is tolerant of everything. And they really shouldn't be. Everybody, Everybody draws a line somewhere about something. And typically, even in religion, almost everybody draws the line somewhere. Where are you going to draw that line? Well, really, the only only reasonable place to draw the line is based on what the Scriptures teach. It's not about what you think, not about what I think. It's not about human wisdom. It's about the Word of God. No one is tolerant of everything. Jesus was intolerant of sin and sinners and of hypocrites. Jesus was intolerant. We're commanded. Plenty of passages command us to make important and necessary judgments about such matters. And then our final observation tonight is that why is it that the tolerance crowd, I don't know any better description of them now, we'll just call them the tolerance crowd. Why is it that the tolerance crowd will tolerate everyone except those who are taking a stand for objective, noble truth? You get get what I'm saying there? So we're supposed to be tolerant of everybody. But they won't be tolerant of you if they think you're intolerant. Which is really sort of oxymoronic, I guess. It's just crazy. I I heard a a guy joking one time. And he said, if you don't like my stance on nonviolence, I'll kill you. (laughs) Wait a minute. You can't do that. That's sort of what these people do. If If you are... I will not tolerate you if you are intolerant. Well, wait a minute. You're being intolerant then, right? Uh, And so they take a a really crazy and inconsistent position. I read a while back of a new church that was forming. And on, on their announcement of the formation of this new church, this is a direct quote. We're tired of the judgmental attitude that is so prevalent in the church today. We're not here to judge each other, 
but to serve each other. Let me read. I want you to think about that. I want to read it to you one more time. We're tired of the judgmental attitude that is so prevalent in the church today. We're not here to judge each other, but to serve each other. What do you think of that? Well, at, at first blush, it sounds sort of noble, I guess. And, and certainly it's politically correct. That's, that's, as they say, that's PC, political, politically correct in this day and time. But think about that for a minute. And do you realize that they're judging? They're putting down those that they don't agree with? When they said, we're tired of the judgmental attitude. That's... Wait a minute. They're tired of the judgmental attitude, but they're judging those that they judge to have a judgmental attitude. Right? They're, they're intolerant of people they view to be intolerant, which is just crazy. Apparently, tolerance is not for everyone. It's just, you're supposed to, not supposed to tolerate everybody, just some people. You know what the Bible word for all that is? That's just hypocrisy, isn't it? It's hypocrisy. Uh, so some, back to what we said at the outset, some people want to cut off all religious discussion uh, with, with, with just saying, oh, that's intolerant. You're being intolerant. I'm not going to talk to you about that. That's intolerant. That's really becoming sort of the ultimate dodge that some people want to make to cut off religious discussion. Now, what would be more honest for them to say instead of saying you're intolerant? What would be more honest for them to say is, you know, I don't want to talk about that because it would mean that I have to make painful changes that I really don't want to make in my life. Of course, they're not going to be honest enough to say that. And so they're just going to say you're intolerant and you're judgmental. And the very sad thing is that that line of reasoning is going to leave an awful lot of people unprepared for final judgment. We have to judge, and we have to judge based upon the objective truth set forth in God's Word. Thanks for your good attention to what we had to say, and hope it's helpful to us. Wouldn't you agree with me that it would be easier to just look the other way? So here's a person doing something they shouldn't do. Maybe it's some issue of morality or immorality in their life. It would be easier to ignore that. Or maybe it's something in religion, maybe a friend who's a part of some religious group and you think what they teach and practice is not true to the Scripture. It'd just be easier to look the other way. You're okay, I'm okay. Everybody's okay. That's easy. That'd be really easy, right? And I I have to believe that that's part of the reason why this becomes such a popular approach. I'm okay, you're okay, everything's okay. I'm not going to judge you, I'm going to tolerate. That's that's a cop-out. That's an easy way out. And it's certainly not what the Bible teaches. It's not the example that Jesus set for us. And it does not comply with what we're instructed to do concerning such issues. Thanks for your good attention to what we had to say. We're going to sing a song of invitation as bring the lesson to a close. For those who are not yet Christians, we hope you'll make that decision to obey the simple gospel plan of salvation. If you're a Christian already, but you're in need of the prayers of the saints, let us know how we can help while we stand and sing this song.